Welcome back to the podcast known as Talking um, uh, Jimmy Stewart. I'm your host, Tim Vanderberg, back finally for part two of an interview of Jimmy Stewart in his home in Beverly Hills in July 1979, conducted by Saturday Evening Post writer Pete Martin. Mr. Martin had interviewed Jimmy several times previously, most notably for a five-part series of articles published in the Post in 1961, a series frequently cited in biographies on Mr. Stewart. You'll recall that these recordings were made available to us by Pete's grandson, William Martin, who discovered them in storage on family property in New Hampshire. I'll point out again that audio is rough, particularly in this one. Mr. Martin and I have made adjustments to reduce some noise, and for the most part, it plays pretty well. It starts off a little shakier than it ends up, so hang in there. This interview appears to be later in the afternoon following part one. Note that Pete will be talking to Jimmy and then stops the tape a couple minutes in when Gloria arrives. It's fun to hear them both together shortly before celebrating their 30th anniversary. We even get to hear Gloria read a poem by daughter Judy. So without further delay, here we go with part two. I'm 78 years old. Most of the people I've known have died. All, every all the men in my wedding are gone. But uh, and uh, my problem, Jimmy, is I'm so full of go, 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 and nervous energy and bang, bang, bang that I have to go to the doctor to get slowed down. I go too fast and pull. The doctor says, "Why the hell are you worried about that? You ought to." Be. My so many people when they get 65 and retire, they sit on their cans, they go to seed, they don't have anything to think about. They don't do anything. My idea is, and I, I noticed that you keep yourself active as hell. I try to keep myself active, Jimmy. I do, you know. I love it. I love to be doing something. I figure yeah. you do too. Now, don't you think that has something to do with being healthy and still alive and not just being, going around in a wheelchair and a, a pair of crutches or not, Jimmy? I do. Well, I, I do. I bet I, Gloria does too. I, no, Gloria, is, Gloria is really poor and everything. That's why I wish you would. You just don't... Uh, you, you, you just don't mope around when you're with Gloria. That's been one of the wonderful things about the 30 years. But I, uh, I don't, uh, I, I, I ne- never thought much of the expression 71 years young. I don't know. I'm 71 years old, and I feel every year of it. I'm don't I I I uh, I can't hear very well. I forget. I forget I, too. I uh, I stumble every once in a while. I I try and get exercise every day, but I don't I don't. Uh, what kind of exercise? Race, walking, I'm swimming, and walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, I try and get up in the morning. I don't. I I try and watch my. Thank you, Joe. Right there. I hope. What you think about that, Joe? I just tell you, Jimmy. My thought. I think one of the reasons that I feel so young, I really do, is that I keep doing things all the time. I keep active. And I want to get your thoughts on that, Gloria. Could you sit over the couch next to Jimmy or something? I think I'll pick, pick you up, but... I speak loud. Fine, well, you stay where you are, then. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I it, speak it, up. It's tuned up pretty well, anyhow. Yeah. You see what we're talking about? Yeah, about you, staying do, do you agree with me? Well, of course I agree with you. I mean, I... Just watching me around here today. <laughs> Been down at the Natural History Museum all day. Yesterday I was at the zoo all day, and... Um, I swim every day. In your own pool? Yeah. See, I didn't even know you had one. And the dogs also swim every day. I garden. I have a big vegetable garden out here. And I uh, go out after dinner and pick the vegetables. And they grow hourly. Uh, You're just getting tomatoes back where we live. Yeah. Nothing like homegrown tomatoes. Oh, I know it. I have string beans this year that don't stop. I mean, they grow hourly. True. But this is all. This is all, all been heard. Her idea. But you go along with it, Jimmy. Right? But you want to or not, you, you, everywhere she goes and do things, you do things too. Am, am I right, Dorian? Yeah, he watches me garden. I mean, does, he does it, it very well. <laughs> but hell, Jimmy's always doing something like being on laughing or making a commercial yeah, for Firestone, right. or, or he, you know what really moved me? 
I want some more that Rose had for you, because I don't like that woman who goes around with banging people with a pocketbook. And I thought, but when Austin Wells, a mountain of blubber, said something about you that I thought was so eloquent and so moving, I thought you got moved by what he said, too. Of all the people that night, do you agree with me? Yes, it, uh, the one at Dean Martin's. Oh, yeah. He was marvelous. He was the best one there by far. Absolutely. He was think, super. They were not his words. I mean, nobody made him learn those words. They came out of his no, guts, he, I think. I talked to him after. He, he he wrote those himself. Well, and the other thing, yeah, I don't know whether it was an hour or two-hour tribute to Jimmy where people came from all over, the Jimmy movies with him. I that was super. That was super. You see, I really am a fan of it, Louis, in case you didn't know it. I don't miss anything he does. <laughs> but, I thought that was a marvel. Hank Fonda's voice from New York. Wasn't that marvelous? And I joined when he played the piano. <laughs> I didn't know he could play the piano. I'd heard he played the accordion, but I didn't know he could play the piano. Oh, yes. We named one of our daughters Judy because he always, when we were courting, he used to play Judy on the piano. I don't, I don't even remember Judy. Hoagie Carmichael wrote it. And when the twins were born, we named one of them Judy. What was the name of that play at, up at, um, when you were just out of college and Sally Bates was in it? She married a friend of mine named, by my best friend named Perry Lawrence. Did you ever know Perry Lawrence? So, Sally Bates was in, and the play, the name of the play was Goodbye Again, right. Osgood Perkin, mm -hmm. uh, Tony's, uh, father. Tony's father, mm -hmm. and uh, <coughs> Albert Dalmer. I got all that in my story we did before, but I just, I think I told you that I was best man in Sally Bates and Perry Lawrence's wedding, believe me. Oh, my God. It's a small world, I tell you. My father is a hardware merchant. I was on the track team. He was, too. I just never was an actor. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know, Pete. <laughs> you think I'm doing all right now? <laughs> I really am not trying. <laughs> Except I'm all steamed up talking to Jimmy. So he's... I don't want to, I'm not trying to butter you up, but I read over those five articles I did with you and Jimmy, the first person ones. You were so damn good. You have, I'm making yourself conscious now. You probably won't be funny another for another not, two weeks. Not, but, uh, nothing to funny to say at all. But you were pretty damn witty in there, I thought. Yeah, Read them again sometime if you don't believe it. I have it. my moments. <laughs> and I, what I want to talk to you both about was to bring up a little bit between then and now. I remember when we, I was almost Jimmy's life story up to that point, but I don't know a hell of a lot that's happened to him since then. I was reading about the things they gave me, and I marked some of the things that I didn't know before. I can't, you know, when it happens day by day, you, you don't think of it in, in um, context of what he's done. Well, let's, let's not take it day by day, but just a general philosophy. You're in Paris one day, the next day you make, he's making Firestone commercials, the next day I can hardly see him because he's so damn busy, and I can't see you Friday because you're so busy. So you, you, life like this keeps on zim, zim, zim with you too. That's what I'm trying yeah, to get at. Yeah, it, uh, it uh, keeps moving. But Jimmy doesn't seem to think it does. He thinks it's all due to you. Well, you go think you're hunting in Africa and things like that. I know you do. Yeah. We haven't been to Africa since, um, we haven't been this year, the first year I've missed since 61. But uh, we're going in January. And where do you stay, in tree tops or any of those places? No, we take a tented safari out. What would you be after this time? Any game that shows up or do you have a particular game in mind? No, we just, I like to look at the part of the water, the... Most of the uh, park wardens there are good friends of ours. You mean now. it's not a hunting trip, it's a safari. Oh, no, it's, we hunt with a camera. It's the same thing, you're hunting, but when you get there, you take a picture of it. And I read in this thing that Jimmy's a good photographer, which I never knew before. <laughs> I'm pretty good, too. That's what I hear. Yeah. That's the trouble. They're all good. I just I just, just have the, but we have. Oh, I know, Pete. Good God, you have No, I've never seen before. I know you've seen all No, I haven't. i never seen them before. Uh, what camera do you use? Nikon. Nikon. I had a Leica yeah. that uh, Gil Brunner gave me, but so much camera I couldn't handle it. I had to give it away. I couldn't use it. One I day. use a, I have a thousand millimeter lens that I use it's, for close-ups. They're real professional. Are these yours or hers? Who took them? Those are I, Jimmy's. I took these. They're awful damn good. Unless you throw away the bad ones. I don't know. But That's they, not so good. Throw away the bad ones. Of course you do. But the... Uh, they're the twin girls, but they, uh, uh, these have become a, 
observe when we go away for a while, I take all of these down and all of those pictures down and store them. I think I think the, the house can burn down, but I I was too stupid to save the negatives. I've got any negatives either, but I, I don't have it. These are the only things. That, that these are the only things I have. You know what's spoke how much I'm like you? I had never thrown away a photograph in my life, and just what I'm doing now. Say, I found a place in Miami that blows them up to about 16 inches high. I'm making a great big photographic history of my life. I had an uncle who took, was a photographic bug when you had to have a black sheet over you and squeeze oh, yeah. the bulb and a tripod. I got one of me when I was in skirts, my first step, beginning with that. And, and I'm very much like Jimmy. In so many ways, except mine are bigger than yours. But one of the things is that I never, I always throw away the bad ones, so nobody knows how bad of I am. Of course you do. Sure, you but that's what. <laughs> Peter Onstead, uh, Enstead? Engstead. Engstead. It's not Peter, it's Johnny. Johnny Engstead. The life photographer. He said that if you want to, I think I just happened to get a giraffe there at the sundown. That's pretty damn good, too. Do you ever go into cont photographic contests? Do you ever enter them in any of these things? No. No, my, our daughter takes marvelous pictures. Look at a Maasai cattle herder standing on one foot with a spear. Uh, it just drives me nuts. You know there's the win prizes and shows if we put them in? I've seen shows not this good. Yeah, we and we all take pretty good pictures. I, I, I specialize in, in people's faces myself rather than scenery. I, when you finish with that, this is our daughter. When we went to Europe, she just got married, but she came down here for a weekend, and we had a terrible hot spell. And she wrote this. This recently, you mean? Yeah, when we were in England. How about reading it to me for my tape? Right. The temperature's been soaring. The cabbage oh, looks morose. She hope here. She doesn't want to. The temperature's been soaring, the cabbage looks morose, the roses they are wilting, azaleas they are gross, the sweet peas are a sagging, the poppies they are gone, it's sad to see the daisies, but you should see the lawn, the pansies look defeated, the honeysuckle's dead, the ivy's rather toasted, the ferns of course have shed. But even though it's baking, there's nothing quite as great as being in the garden at good old 918. That and being our address. These are... Did she draw those? Oh, yeah. What are these? My wife's a flower artist. What are those? She those did. are the defeated pansies. Well, she's trying to do those right now. Here's the shedding fern. That's the poppy. How old is the girl now? She was just married. She's 28. Now, what was her name? Judy. Judy. You know, I don't know the time is coming I can mention this, and I have never wanted to mention it to you before, but you used to send us at Christmas time pictures of your family. Yeah. And then one of your sons lost in war, and you never did it anymore. No, it just, it looked you like there was it, just one, um, well, it looks like there was one less, you know, how do you explain it? You don't. I wouldn't have done it either. No. But I'm sentimental the way. And then it. also, um, his brother Mike got married and moved away. So that he wouldn't be in the picture. And then he wouldn't be in the picture. So it, it just seemed um, so silly. I thought because you just lost one of them. Well, that was the first year we stopped. And then... Uh, I must tell you, I miss them. I've got every one you ever sent me. You won't believe this, but I'm, I'm the damnest Jimmy addict you've done in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you will before I get through. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, you've convinced me. But these... Some of these things I don't not familiar with in this autobiography of yours, and I thought I'd done a pretty good one in those five articles. But when some of the ones I've marked, I was unfamiliar with. I wanted to get your thoughts on them anyhow, Jimmy. Maybe it'd blow yours too. Why don't you both sit down side by side? I'll move this thing over here. Oh, I don't know. I've seen those things. But read them out. That's what Gloria's reaction is too. It's been brought up as one of the... Two officers in history, the Air Force Reserve, received the Service Medal. You see, when I talked to you last, you were so shy about your part in the war, you really didn't want to talk about it very much. I hope those years have gone by, you're not so shy about it. But I keep reading about the things you were decorated for. You never told me about it all when I would talk to you in those days. I want to tell you the military has meant an awful lot to Jimmy's life. When he used to go on active you service, tell me. every summer, those were the happiest times, really. 
that he could spend. He really looked forward but to it. Where did he go on Actors Out? Where did he went? Went to Vietnam, went to, I don't know, he was a long time with SAC. I knew that, I think. And he left flying the big bombers and refueling in midair. And, you know, and he really enjoyed the company of the men. I'm reading back those five articles about his life, but the only thing he told me is about the time he didn't lead the thousand plane strike over Germany. He didn't tell me about the ones he did lead. <laughs> in fact, he had in his contract, I think one of his agents told me that Jimmy's in his contract was not to talk about the war. But remember that at all, Jimmy, when you got back? Yeah, that's sort of... <laughs> I hope you've gotten over that just found, a little bit. Found it on... Found it on uh, fact. I, I, I just... Uh, I just didn't see any point in doing the the uh, war stories. Well, you felt somebody about publicize it, I know. Uh, that those guys are going so, now. So, so near after the war. Yeah, that's right. <coughs> and I didn't bore into it either, but I am right now. <laughs> but I, I, I was awful fortunate in getting with Frank Capra right uh, right after the war and getting that wonderful story, It's a Wonderful Life. Which it was, was a great thing. Which, and, and this, <coughs> although the picture wasn't completely successful then it got me back into the world because that's a difficult part I thought it was nominated for an Oscar am I wrong it was <laughs> I do know don't I <laughs> yeah yeah it, it was and Frank was for director and <coughs> Tommy Mitchell for uh, uh, supporting actress or actor and uh, no it got uh, got a lot of nominations but the the uh, <coughs> competition was tried, but the competition best years of your life. Uh, 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 no, Olivier was in some fine thing, and the competition was just too too uh, much. But I, it was a good thing to get uh, to get started in again, because it, uh, as I say, it was a difficult part. It was a, uh, a, a part I really had to slave over it, and it wasn't a part that I could fall back on what I remembered about five years ago and uh, things like that. I, I, I just had, had to, you know, in five years you're supposed to mature when you, I went in 33. How old were you when you went in, Jim? 33. That's pretty young. Then, uh, <laughs> Getting younger every day. I'll say. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're supposed to uh, mature and so certainly uh, going through a war you should mature so so I, but I needed something I'm, I'm glad it wasn't something that was sort of a rehash of something you'd done something I'd done before something that I felt comfortable in that uh, sort of the same type thing this although it had the same theme the same as mr. Smith there was more to it and it, uh, it, 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 uh, it was actually a more dramatic and more uh, uh, moving. Uh, well, Capra was a good man, too, among other things. But you might get some arguments over that with the people who are real fans of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. That was pretty dramatic stuff. It was. And, uh, of course, at the time, I did talk to you and Jimmy that time. I was afraid to ask him if he was scared, if he was proud, if any of those things about the war, if he didn't want to talk about it. But I, I don't know whether I could even ask him now or not. Were there moments when you were frightened? Is there anything you did in the war you were proud of? You never told me if there was anything, Jimmy. You think you could tell me now? He came out alive. <laughs> well, more than that. Well, I, I, the war, I was, I was scared the whole time. Well, I bet you were. Not so much, and I... I afraid tried. of failing or scared of afraid of being shot down? But there's two kinds of fears, aren't there? One you might do a lousy job, one you might get come back. Are those two different things or not? Well, the, 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 you, to me, what I prayed for most is that I wouldn't make a mistake. That's what I thought. Uh, that that was the important because that was my job. My job was to to, to lead and. If you screw up leadership, uh, the way things were set up, uh, you can cause the deaths of a hundred men. And you feel responsible for it. 
if you if you do things wrong, don't you? If you do things wrong, and that they, this, of course, is uh, this is true of, of a lot of military operations. Certainly, the infantry, and certainly, it. Uh, uh, I was made very conscious of the fact of, of responsibility. And, the able to, uh, and being able to assume the responsibility. And how about the results? Though? Weren't you proud of any of the results you accomplished, Jimmy, or did you ever think of them? Or just glad to get back? No, to I, I, the, the, uh, your, 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 the, the odds were so against you that I, I, I just felt I, uh, I, I, I was glad to get back. Well, how did you make flak? Most flak again? German flak? Or some of the odds against you? Shooting down some of your people, you mean? Uh, odds? Yeah, and especially in in, uh, in targets where they were really after you, and the uh, flak was much uh, more dangerous than uh, fighter aircraft because they, uh, they engulfed you in, in flak. Were you ever afraid you might miss your target? Did that ever happen to somebody else? Take it the wrong town that bombed? <laughs> or would you know? I'm sure it's happened to a lot of people. No, you... Uh, on, on several of the missions, they... Uh, uh, we, we bombed by radar. We bombed... Uh, I mean, you couldn't see it with, with without, We couldn't see it because, with, uh, especially in the, the winter of 44, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the missions that were... Uh, it was cloud cover. So the best we could do is we knew pretty much of uh, dead reckoning, uh, the length of the target from the coast, from the enemy coast. Now the number uh, of miles you'd flown, you mean? But uh, the radar would give us. Uh, and it was the kind of thing that they did in the in the briefing, and then in the, in the uh, sort of the operations officer did uh, before we gave the brief briefing. Uh, they gave the radar operator, who was also the bombardier, but the radar operator, the kind of blips that would come up, there, there, there would be a statue, there would be a smokestack, and there would be here a series of buildings. Uh, and this was what we got on, a quarter of a mile from these blips as they came under your aircraft. Almost made a picture of the buildings, the blips did, I can see. Well, the blips were right there That's in front of them, but he, he set he set his uh, bomb site to this, and it, uh, it, it, it of course, it took uh, a lot of the accuracy out of the Norden uh, bomb site. But at least it gave you it gave you an idea that you were in the industrial area and you weren't dropping your bombs out in the wheat field someplace. You never told me only about the, a thousand plane strike that you got together but you never took over. You never told me why you didn't take over. I got read that only last week. But I wonder, but you never explained why you didn't. You remember you told me that? That was sort of a frustrating thing in your life? Or is that vague in your mind? Well, it, it was a big strike and as you know, we there was the time of assembly. That's it. In other words, you had if the Eighth Air Force, if the entire three divisions were going to the same target, uh, they assembled in their own assembly area and then met at a certain designated point on the English coastline from the North Sea on the English coastline and straightened out into what we called the bombing line. And 
And if there were two targets or three targets, they would uh, elements would go off. Well, the uh, assembly weather, we were told, wasn't uh, wasn't too good. And usually we would use flares and keep the radio communication down and so on because they were Germans were monitoring uh, the radio communications. We just uh, we uh, it was their way of knowing and it was a giveaway, you know. So we tried to do it all by threat uh, flares. Uh, this worked all right, and I had my wing, and I was going to lead. Not gonna, and it was, it was a, it was the whole bunch. The, the uh, first and third division were going off to different targets, but the second division, which was the B-24 division, the others were B-17. They were, uh, we were going in, and I forget whether it was, whether it was uh, Berlin or. Uh, I don't think I, he said, I, I he didn't forget. tell me Berlin at that point. It was some I, other town. I, I forget. Anyway. I'll look at it. Could have been. No, I'll look it up. No, it he told me the, the destination, but he never got there. <laughs> well, I never got there because I. I kept, uh, I, if everything was to the clock, and I, and I kept the time, and I had what I thought was my group. The weather was so bad that uh, visibility was in the, in the hundreds of feet. And I, we, we started to do voice communications because it was tough when you get Almost a thousand airplanes milling around oh, uh, over. Uh, it could, could be collision, could yeah. it? But I finally we were what on what should be the bomber stream, and I kept asking. They say, "Well, through the thing, they seem to be in there, but we can't we we can't uh, keep tab on on them all the time. We don't, can't see them." And finally, I was, you know, five miles from the enemy coast, and uh, word came back, and I, 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 I just turned and I said, "How, how many, how many airplanes do you see? How many airplanes do we have?" My tail gunner said three. <laughs> Not many, a thousand, whatever it was. <laughs> well, I said that just didn't seem quite. <laughs> quite, quite enough. That's an understatement, when you, <laughs> when you, you're, I'm, 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 it's supposed to be 800, and you have three, and uh, we'd all been so busy, and we'd all been so busy trying to uh, uh, get as much communication between a, uh, we, we disregarded a recall thing that everybody else had gotten, and we had just. Uh, it had just slipped our... Uh, you didn't get it or didn't pay any attention to it? Well, I, I, I think we got it, but we didn't, didn't pay any attention to it. So we finally got the recall. So the four of us turned around. <laughs> Everybody was home. Everybody had, had their shower. <laughs> And you've been fumbling around and up I've there, been heading toward the enemy coast. Messing around. That's a real Hobbsy. <laughs> <laughs> the only one man on his way to Pelesti <laughs> thinks he's got 800 planes behind him. <laughs> now, Jimmy, it says here about the decorations you got. You didn't, you didn't never did tell me why, and I didn't ask you because I didn't know you had them. For... Wait a minute, let me change my tape. The tape is cheap. I just don't want to lose anything. Here was a brief tape change, and the interview continued. Did you, maybe you might tell me why you got decorated on Well, these are at the... Uh, For showing up? No, it must be more than that. It must be. These are pr pretty much uh, uh, the copies of the 
script that is given to you when you get the uh, when you get when you get the award. The Bible you got uh, given an award, Jimmy. And the anything special or just an ordinary run of things? Well, this one time over Brunswick, the lead ship uh, was disabled. And all, also the bomb site was uh, not working. So it asked me for how I was flying. I was flying on its wing, and I was ready. I had a, a, a bombardier with me, and uh, and uh, a site that was working. And there was a lot of flying. Okay, this part will make you nuts. William Martin told us that the tape was heavily damaged here. I know, just at the point of serious discussion about his combat experience, which Jimmy rarely talked about. But here's a brief account as written in the LA Times following Jimmy's passing in 1997. We hit Brunswick in 1944, Stewart said, and there was a lot of flak, a lot of fighter interference, a lot of airplanes going down. To be effective, even to defend ourselves, we somehow had to hold the bomb group together. That meant I had to sound like I knew what I was doing and wasn't scared. And believe me, it was a better performance that I put on that day than I'd ever done in my life before. I was scared as hell. The effectiveness of his performance was clearly outlined in the citation that accompanied his Distinguished Flying Cross awarded for that raid. Despite aggressive fighting attacks and heavy anti-aircraft fire, it read, he was able to hold his formation together and direct the bombing run in such a manner that the planes following him were able to bomb with great accuracy. This is also covered in depth in the excellent 2016 book, Mission, Jimmy Stewart and the Fight for Europe, by Robert Matson, who was our guest on an earlier podcast episode. Okay, we'll pick up where the recording resumes. And I, I think we met. Private Margaret K. Smith seemed to have a per, sort of almost personal animus. It was, you never did, I never asked you, and, and you never told me. There's some, something going on that she didn't like you or something. Would you explain it to me now that it's all over? Is she still alive? I wouldn't know. Yeah, she's still alive. I I really... Uh, I don't think it was that personal. She didn't object to anybody else, though, did No, well. but it I, was because somebody... It was because somebody that worked for her had not gotten it one of her aides or something. I remember that was what the Air Force people told you. Well, I, 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 I heard that. heard that too, and I, I, I whether it's true, I don't know. I, uh, I, I, it was an unfortunate thing. I don't think I, the public I, ever uh, understood it. I know I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I wish it hadn't happened, but I, uh, the real, real thing that, that, uh, that hurt was that by doing this, I mean, if she wants to not have me have the award, that's perfectly all right with me, and all right. But by doing that, there were about 25 officers also recommended for promotion. Promotion. Oh, I see. Along with you, you mean? Along yeah. with me. Oh, you were the only one she was beefing about? And, and this... And this, the the regulation on this, is the whole group has to be, uh, has to be approved. And or if, none, you mean? And if one is disapproved, then none of the people are approved. See, I never knew this. I don't think the public knows it either. And uh, by doing this to me, uh, so that the, the so that the. Uh, uh, the advancement was held up, all these other people, and a lot of them were uh, career Air Force people, and the, and, and the promotion. A brief interruption here, and then Pete starts the tape again. Now this discussion about Jimmy's promotion being held up by Senator Margaret Chase Smith you may want to Google that. 
Pete actually talked to Jimmy about it in depth in his 1961 interview series. I have included an interesting story about a CIA file on Senator Smith that mentions Jimmy. You'll find it in the podcast notes for this episode at jimmy.org. Let's pick back up where Pete starts the tape again. Talk about the war, but what I really want to talk about is what you're doing now, what you hope to do in the future. You're, you're obviously you and Gloria are two of the most active married people I know. My wife must thinks I'm nuts to do all the things I do, but I believe that's one of the reasons I feel so like a, I said to the doctor, if I'm not well, why do I feel so good? He said, just an illusion, Mr. Watts. That's one of the funniest things I've ever <laughs> I didn't believe him. I just feel great. Maybe too great. I don't know. I interrupt people all the time, and I talk too much, my wife says, but I can't help it. I'm just all geared up all the time. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, now, tell me a little bit more about your life with Jimmy right now and in the future. You're so active. You may not think so. Jimmy talks like he's not, but you can't get a date with him very easily because he's so damn many things he's got to do, you know. Yeah, we keep busy. I don't know what we do. Well, we... how long did it take you to do those commercials for Firestone, by the way? Well, I've been doing them. I just finished uh, two more. We did them in a week. And uh, I'll have another one to do that'll finish, finish out the ones for this year, and then I have one more year. On this, on this contract. One of the things that you may not realize, and I can tell you, it may embarrass you, is that I know one of the reasons they're using you is because people believe what you say. That the public's mind, Jimmy, and this may embarrass you, you're the most honest person. People, and Firestone needs somebody to make people believe what you say. It's just as simple as that. And I'm sure yeah. you believe it. Isn't that, don't you think I'm right, Louis? Sure, that's right. And he is honest. I know. Too. I'm not. Wouldn't say, but I, I believe it, everything he tells yeah, me. But I mean, the, 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 he is honest, so it's. Well, I think the, the whole thing was, I, uh, this was offered to me, and I knew about the trouble, I knew about the, but I, I've always had respect for the company. I, uh, I, 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 I don't think the company is uh, the kind of a uh, organization that, that would uh, try to do, put uh, uh, an inferior product and, and sell it to the public. I don't think that... Uh, this was done on purpose. I think the company has used its uh, used its ability as tire maker and the success that it has had and the uh, profits that it has made to very good purpose. They uh, I think like the boys of Firestone, but it has been as long as you can remember. remember. They've done philanthropic thing. They built the finest one of the finest uh, libraries, the Firestone Library in Princeton, one of the finest uh, buildings of its kind in the world. You see, not many people except Princeton people know that, Jimmy. Well, except uh, there are a hell of a lot of Princeton people. I know. And this is a, it's important to a very important educational thing. And I, I, uh, I, I just felt I wanted to go along with them. And if, if uh, if they said I might be able to help, I I, I, I wanted to go along. So far, it's worked very well. Let's just take maybe a month or two of your life. Lori, you help on this. For example, what are you going to do next? I, I couldn't get a date with you today because you, I couldn't see you till the, what is it, the 24th of this month. But I was all set to go back to Philadelphia and come back again. But John Strauss said, no, you said I didn't have to. So you must be, it's not just social, is it, Lori? Uh... No, Part I mean, of it, eh? we were in Salt Lake City recently. We're doing what? I just want to go run that. Was the, uh, it's the thing we were called, home from London two days. We oh. went to the Paris Air Show. But why were you at Paris? Nobody told me why we you were there. We went to the air show. I see. Then we went to London to see our daughter. Then we were home two days went to Salt Lake City for the uh, American Academy, Academy of Achievement. Award. It's an organization that was, uh, it was uh, thought up. It's a much quite been around quite a while, 20 years. Who are some of the other winners, Jimmy? This year, let me tell you, a little uh, um, Japanese who walked up to the North Pole, you remember by yes, himself? He's climbed Mount Everest, he's gone down the Amazon in a shoebox. I mean, he's done the most... Uh, the governor, the lady governor from uh, Washington, um, um, tell, uh, Teller is all, always there, Dr. Teller. Um, He's one of the first recipients. Yeah, but who's the uh, Linus Pauling was there this year? The doctor step 
Doe, the one who bred the baby in a test tube. I mean, it's, I and the head of the FBI, the general who had been over at the salt talks, all different kinds the, of people. And then they give scholarships to kids. There was one kid there, I think he's 10, he went through high school one afternoon. And he's, uh, I mean, th they tested this one young mathematician and the Mathematics Center tested him, and it was to see how he ranked, as, and he ended up testing between master mathematician and the brightest brain in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> the, I just thought, I the kid's it, 10 or 11. I plucked accounting one twice at the warden school and moved over to the fine arts school. I still can't add and subtract the butterfly. <laughs> I can't either. This kid's different. <laughs> so I'm just trying to get a run, Jeff. Was there Fonda got the award this year and uh, Jimmy went up to give it to him? I got for it. What did Fonda get it for? Well, you, uh, I well got Jimmy it. got it once. I got it in 1974, I think. And he could get it for achievement and your work, your field was chosen profession and so on and so on. It's a very nice, very nice uh, occasion and very nice thing. Well, we were up there for three days. Two days. Just seemed like three. Well, what's coming off there? Just give me the next two or three weeks in your lives. Well, right now we're getting ready to give a party for our 30th wedding anniversary. I just had my 54th. Yeah, but we started late. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> I had a nice little party through corsages for the ladies. They thought it was an old southern gentleman oh. touch, they said. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that takes... Tomorrow I've got about six people coming to... You know, i got to put the tent up right. and do the whole thing. Don't have a tent. You, you did it better than I did. I took a room upstairs at an inn. <laughs> and then Jimmy's going to the uh, uh, Bohemian Grove next I'm going weekend. Three, three days next week. Are you a member? Have you been before? Never no, no, been before. And her husband's going. So my daughter's coming down to spend the weekend with me. And then the, there's always the museum, and there's always things going on that you have to, you know. What, the, what is Jimmy not for the museum? No. I, go, I go to the office every day. I have a little pole on the wall down here. I've talked to the ladies there, a couple of them. They're very fond of you. <laughs> they wrote me a letter saying that I have enlarged and hung on the wall over my bed. Jimmy said, you haven't lost the old touch, Pete, and I'm so <laughs> proud of it. <laughs> Maybe you've forgotten it, but I haven't. No, I remember. But you I know, One I... of the three fan letters I've ever gotten in my life, and I've written over 150 interviews. One was from Ingrid Bergman. One was from Jimmy. God, who was the third in front? Mm. Oh, it was uh, Greg Austin. Only three people ever took the trouble. Everybody else just takes it for granted. Yeah. <laughs> That's very nice. But it means a lot to me. Yeah, it sure does. It means a lot to anybody. Jimmy, I remember we ended that first five articles, a very good ending. A couple came up to you and said, Jimmy, you may be interested. Are you interested in the fact that you've given us a lot of pleasure in our lives? And you said, yes. And I thought that, that was the ending. That was a hell of a good ending, too, yeah. I thought. People still say that, and he still feels that way. No, that's, that's a... Uh, I've reached the point now where a lot of people think I'm too old to write. You'd be, just because I'm old, you know. Isn't that something? You run into that at all, Jimmy? In that's fact, not allowed in America today. <laughs> I know, but it happens to you, just to say it. Pete, you mind? I've got to call this lady about well, those... I'd call it today if you want me to. Yeah, I've got to uh, uh, call this lady about which cook that right. I like, and, and she's going to leave the office soon. Jimmy, you two, you two, what time is it? Do you want me to four, leave? Four. I'm going to go swimming what time after is, I I'm do this. I'm Philadelphia time. I've got t ten minutes after seven or something. Well, it's, ten, uh, <laughs> it's quarter past four. Quarter past four. Pete? Yes. Love to, lovely seeing you again. I'll see you again. You know how good you were in those five pieces. You were very witty. <laughs> Read them again sometime. <laughs> I will. <laughs> have you still got them? Yep. I have two. <laughs> Jimmy, the... the an awful lot of people have said to me, and this is not a proposition, cause, but uh, there have been so many books written that give a, a lousy, grimy picture of Hollywood and the cinema industry, which is, that you've given your life to, and so did Duke Wayne, and so did Coop, and so did Henry Fonda, although he's the stage man, too. Uh, it seems that if you write a book about Marilyn Monroe or Joan Crawford or even Tyrone Power, which I, I knew him pretty well. I didn't think he was a homosexual, and I don't think Hank Fonda thinks so either. He said he didn't, and he, uh, but these people are dead, so you write anything about them you want to and get away with it, apparently. I have a feeling, I have one, the people at Doubleday have a feeling, that the public is just ripe for somebody who, who does just a, a sort of a nice, witty, honest, 
story about life in Hollywood. It's as simple as that. And I'm, I'm not asking you to do it because I haven't that far along. In the, in, but I've got so damn much that they, people seem to think that you'd be the ideal guy to do it someday if you ever felt like it. I just want to tell you that as we go along. And we've already done, you know, five interviews. I've done seven interviews with you. This is the eighth. Almost got enough stuff right now for a book if you ever want to do it about the, your life in Hollywood. Which uh, Doubleday thinks people like Duke Wayne's death. People were hungry for a kind of an honest picture, a nice picture of life, as opposed to the scummy stuff that people are writing about Hollywood right now. Yeah. Just keep that thought in your mind, Jimmy. All right. All right. I just I sort of stared clear of it. But you've already almost done it with me, Jimmy. You both yeah. take a hell of a lot more, really. No, yeah. not honor. You'd be amazed how many words we've got on paper already. <laughs> But I remember the first one after the war, the, uh, no, I said, Bernie Lay did one, and then you did, I did, you did it before Bernie. And uh, I remember those for a while. I, like, I, I tell you, I got that five out and read them not long ago, and it was so charming and so pleasant, and really helped a hell of a lot. And I'm just amazed how good they were. You ought to read them again sometime, Jimmy, if you haven't for a long I've time. got them up there, and I, 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 I leaf through them every once in a while when I move my stuff around there. But, but your I, father was so funny, too, and Dory was so witty. I don't know how the hell you, and you kind of a jolly humor of your own that you don't know you've got, that nobody can imitate. But I'm talking too much about it. I just want to know how, tell you how I felt about it and how some other people feel well, about it. Well, that's wonderful to hear, Pete. I, I, uh... It's, it's, Maybe someday, if, if somebody, if an editor from Double Date wants to come out and talk to you about it, let him come, Jimmy, will you talk to you about it? Yeah. That's all I want to know. I'm not trying to sell you on anything myself. Well, well I'm not, you know, the idea of this book has come up and so on, but I, I don't know, but it's just something to think about. You, you know, see, I'm so. almost, it's almost done, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean it that way. I hadn't thought yeah. about it when we worked on it, and I don't think you did either, but... Jesus, there must be seven-tenths of it already done, just talking mm -hmm. to me. I don't want my name on it. It's going to be a first-person story if it ever comes out. I'm not talking no. too much about it right now. I don't want to get you... Said, said, turn this thing off. Uh, oh, I want to talk to you about some more of these. Have you got, are you getting tired, bored? You want me to go? I will if you want me to. No, just tell me. If you got any. Well, just read some of these things I've underscored. But I don't quite understand. Because I understood things that I don't remember putting into stuff I wrote about you and with you. Well, I, I breaking my neck, uh, flying my own version of an airplane. So you didn't tell just, me that before. It was, I just built it in a, the, the back of our house sloped down like that. And I thought if I'd get, get the airplane up here and have a run downhill, it would fly. Well, it ran downhill and went right into the ground. It didn't fly. Not like the Wright brothers. But uh, no, I, I didn't have it quite figured out to the Wright brother. The accordion, accord, what might have been? My wife plays the accordion too, but it does it pretty well. And uh, well, that's what part of the glory has brought all the outside. And the wildlife enthusiasm. Well, tell me some of the things Gloria has brought into your life now that she's not here anymore, except except going to Africa. I know you'd love to do that, but then she likes to go. Well, I think she's uh, the vigor and the enthusiasm that she has, the the the, the interest in new things, the interest in travel, the fascination she has with wildlife, wildlife of all kinds. And uh, she, she not only talks about it and argues about it, but she works at it. She works at it at the Los Angeles Zoo. She works at it at the Museum of Natural History. She works and she works well, it's not at just it curiosity I, on her part. It's more than curiosity. It's more than curiosity. She's, she's, she believes in this. She believes. She's not one of these uh, absolute uh, diet in the wool, no give and a give or take anything environmentalist. She, she's uh, she's not unreasonable. But, uh, 
She just feels that the wildlife of the world deserved their place in the world, otherwise they wouldn't have been put here. And this is, has led to her a very active member in the what, what's called the East East Africa Wildlife Leadership Foundation. I know the Sierra Red Club is used and things like that too. But well, the more uh, more the African uh, uh, more the African part of the wildlife. We she's been very important in the Los Angeles Zoo. I used to say about killing all the whales, for example. Some people are against that in the sea, yeah. clubbing them. Yes, of course. This is this. There are all sorts of. There are all sorts of uh, people and uh, different organizations trying to get that stopped. They, uh, according to Gloria, she has a lot of uh, manuals on the thing, and Gloria, she thinks that the thing is slowly going to uh, be stopped because there are so so much, so many synthetic things that do exactly what the the uh, whale do, and and uh, for the Japanese. You know, used to have 40 ships out, uh, everything, and last year had two. So that, that this thing is being cut down. I must say, it really repels me to see those little wheels, seals being clubbed to death. That really does something bad to me. Terrible, but there, here again, I think slowly, slowly, this it's uh, this is going to be corrected. But she's interested in this, and interested. But well, she got you interested in it too, Jim. That's what I want to know. I, you know, I, I, I sort of back her up, and I go, I go to, I, uh, when they want to do a, a, a film showing this, I narrate the film, and. Uh, well, that's more than helping. That's really helping. I, uh, and I. Uh, She's bound and determined to go to the North Pole next year, and I, I, I'm sure we'll be there. But any special purpose? Not preservation no. of wildlife, just to go. Interest. Interest. Just interest. Accomplishment. Accomplishment, sort of interest in what's there. You know, she, I don't know how old she is. I don't. I never went there. She's one of the youngest women, spirit, spirit, and physical energy than any woman I've known in a hell of a long time. Yeah, well, she's 61. How'd you never know it? She's uh, and she. Uh, well, I think the the spirit and the energy and and her. She enjoys life. Jimmy, if you hadn't married somebody like this, if she went around, much of this blew up is also on you. Some of this energy, I'm sure. And suppose you married sort of a fat lady who sit like sit on a camera all the time. But you wouldn't be the same, Jimmy Stewart. I don't think. But I, I know I would. Because I I started out pretty much as a, a really a, a, a loner, but I, I don't you know I was not. Uh, Would you be essentially lazy if you left your own advice, own devices or not? I wouldn't know. I don't know you that well. I I uh, I, I I I think I'm uh, essentially lazy. That's what she comes in. Well, and this is this is the thing that has kept me from. Uh, Kept, kept me from uh, letting laziness turn to, uh, you know, I know what you're doing. discourage. And also fat, fatty of the fat, fatness in the mind and yeah, the brain too. Discouragement and so on. Getting called. Jimmy, tell me, uh, did you have uh, any adventures with television? Was that not your meat? Is it your, not really your metier? Is it? I wouldn't know. Did I? Did you do Harvey on television by any chance? And if so, was there a real rabbit or just an imaginary rabbit? I didn't see that one, if you did it. I did it on television with uh, Helen Hayes on the Hallmark. She's one of my great favorites. She oh. and Virginia, my wife, grew up together in Washington. She used to go to Atlantic City together. Oh, bless her heart. I think she was just... Helen and I played it. She just was out here and she called me. No, I called her. Somebody then in the original cast, uh, Jess White, called me up one night and said, "Why don't you and Helen Hayes do Harvey?" And I said, uh, "Sounds a good idea." So I called her and she said, "Fine." On TV, you mean? Yeah. No, in the on stage. On stage. Yeah. We opened it in Ann Arbor, and uh, at the school there, then tried it out several places. 
Was was you in the original search cast, or was was somebody else? No, uh, Josephine Hall was the original, but she was wonderful. Oh, she was great, just great. Then we did we did it on the uh, on television, which worked out all right, except that I never thought the I never thought the the play Harvey was right for television or movies, because the illusion is is too easy. In uh, in television, I mean, uh, in the movies, the illusion you can people d- disappear. All they have to do is change the film, and never. On the stage, it's up to you to create the illusion. It, it's up to you to convince the people in the audience. But there's a rabbit that, there. that where there's nothing there, there's a white big white rabbit, and you. This is part of it. And you're enclosed by the proscenium arch, and this is what what I think of as some of the charms of the play. And then I did it for I did it for six and a half months over in London with um, Mona Washburn and some uh, some other uh, a good English cast. And uh, this was all right, but there was wonder, wonderful time with Helen. And. Uh, let me do it again. It's it's a. Uh, I went up. Did one of the things. Some people in Denver, where Mary Chase lives now. I didn't know she was still alive. She hasn't been well, and uh, she's better now. And they were going to give her a plaque for Harvey, and also the amateur outfit there was going to do a performance of the play. And they called me and said, would you come up and surprise Mary and give her the plaque? Which I did, I which, did yeah. which was wonderful, and she is in much better health. And I bet she, she got all choked up when she saw you, too. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good idea. They hid me in, in Gloria, and we went around the back, and suddenly I came out. But it's been, meant a lot to me to have this play, that it's sort of, uh, uh, every once in a while, I've become identified with it. And it's a... Uh, Quite a quite a remarkable play because it's universal in its appeal. You know, it's it's uh, the, the the English get every single one of the jokes just like here, and better than we do, you mean? Yeah, not something. Just every every one the same. Then television be such such a hard break up here. If you try something and it doesn't work, and you, it, quite often it doesn't too, I notice. I don't mean with you, I just mean in general. Just night after night, my wife and myself, night after night, year after year, we studied the television schedule and tried to find something we want to see, and Jesus. Of course, she goes to bed about 9.30 or 10. I stay up and see the late movies. That's why I get my biggest bang out. If they ever stop doing the late movies, I think I'll lose half my interest in television. Yeah. Well, I never got really started. I don't know what would have happened if, if my first crack at television, which was a comedy, uh, but it didn't work, and I think I fell into a trap that it's not too hard to fall into. How about describing the trap to me now, Jimmy? Tell me what the trap was. Uh, but it, it, the, the reason it was a trap is that it had been, it, it had been done as a, as a series on two televisions, on Bob Young, Father Knows Best, and on Danny Thomas's uh, another, I forgot the name of his, pretty much the same idea, and for some reason, and actors do this, I don't know what we've got, uh, we get sort of these lapses, we say, well, if it's, uh, people seem to like it there, maybe they like more of it, which uh, is, just isn't true, and uh, what, what, you ne- what you need is something fresh and something new. Then I tried another one, Hawkins, which was a good, uh, good 90-minute show. I like Hawkins. I remember that well. And uh, a good character, a good, uh, uh, good, solid. 
uh, country lawyer. But why, why did that one flunk out, Jimmy, if it did? It, it was too much work. It, I, uh, I don't like cards, and I, I, I just have to be, I like to be up in my lines. And, I'm, and in order to do that, I just needed more time. I needed another day. And it was they, they were unable to give me the extra day, and I can see why, because the, the, the extra day is an extra day if you want to keep the same crew. You know, there's no reason for them to have an extra day, and they couldn't. Is there a men's room? You keep on talking if you like. Yeah. Where can I find it, Jim? It, you can tell me, I'll find it. That's right. After you step up. This was interesting here as Pete just left the tape rolling for a minute. When he comes back, they start looking at some materials that Pete brought with him, and there's not much more of substance for the rest of the interview, but we can just eavesdrop if you want. time working with Big Crosby on his book called Me Lucky. We're going over to on the Liberté to France. He was going to make a movie called Little Boy Lost. One morning he came up to me and said, Peter, I didn't have anything to do this morning, so here's a two-hour interview with myself. He conducted himself. Now, you don't get many people like that, do you? What a no. man. You think we're through, Jimmy, or not? But I don't want to miss anything. If you're getting pushed a tire, let me know. Did you oh. know me well enough to tell me? I think we've covered a thing. Did you, uh, did, a, you want to look through any more of these things? Or, us up I marked up some of them. More people. See if I can find some of the ones I marked for. You think any of them went overboard? Yes. You don't think the, uh, in trying to say something nice about him, they kind of but here's, here's another one I marked pretty much. Take your time, we got lots of tape. Is that the one with Harvard? When the Harvard kids, when he took on Harvard, I thought that a lot of guts on this part, too. When he came in on the tank. Was it that tank? Is I, I never got, I saw it on the screen, but I didn't know it was the idea of the Harvard people's idea. Was it his idea? idea? Yeah. Because they call him a militarist, is that what you mean? Or? Yeah, and he, he wanted to, uh, he wanted to, uh, some of the things I marked, just read them slowly to yourself, Let me see if they give you any thoughts. I wonder if they're true, for example. I can't remember now why I marked them, except the time I thought to, I wanted to ask you about, about it. suppose that there was great outburst of things about because they knew he was going to die was that he had time to get ready for it these various sections of newspapers and uh, television hours they get on the other hand I've heard people say if he hadn't died of cancer they wouldn't have been all this excitement about him he just sort of dropped dead one day like Adler Stevenson did do you think there's any anything to that at all like this courageous battle against cancer I think that's part of it I think they It's 
one of the best. I like that one. That's I draw it myself, and that's the kind of picture I like yeah. to draw. Jimmy, you say your wife's a good photographer? Did they you, all are. The Rob, wife, the kids. Well, would you do me a favor? I got on my wall a great big blow-up for Marilyn Monroe and myself, Clark Gable and myself, Bing Crosby and myself, and Norman Rock, Norman Rock and myself. I wonder if she'd take a picture of us two together so I can have it in my collection. You suppose that's too much to ask? And there we go, the end of a two-part interview of Jimmy from 1979 by writer Pete Martin. Thank you very much to William Martin for sharing this recording with us. And thank you for listening to Talking Um Ah Jimmy Stewart, where we talk to people who knew or who were influenced by actor James Stewart. This series is in cooperation with the Jimmy Stewart Museum in Jimmy's hometown of Indiana, Pennsylvania. For more about the museum, visit jimmy.org. And if you were listening to this podcast on iTunes, please leave us a review. It can help raise the podcast's profile and promote the museum. Thank you very much. We'll be back soon.